Welcome to Hunger Club, the Monday online Bible study of the Feast Makati District. I'm Risa Singson Kaupeng, Editor-in-Chief of the Feast Magazine. Let's satisfy our hunger with God's Word. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, Amen. Lord, we praise and thank you for your goodness. Thank you, Jesus, for all that you are doing in our lives. Thank you, Lord, that in the good and the bad, there is one thing that is constant, and that is your love. That is your presence. We pray, Lord God, that you may continue to draw us close to you as we study your word, as we get to know you more. We pray, Lord God, that we may deepen our faith in you in our understanding of Scripture. We pray for those who need to hear the message tonight that you would somehow lead them to this Bible study. We pray and ask all these in Jesus' name. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Amen. We are going to talk about Renewed by a Spiritual Revolution. Last week, we had this, and we're doing part two today. We were talking about holiness and how we need a revolution, a complete radical change. We need a complete radical violent change in the way we think if we want to be holy, if we want to be perfect, just as our Father in heaven is perfect. And we were talking about Ephesians 4. I'll read from verse 21. Since you have heard about Jesus and have learned the truth that comes from Him, throw off your old sinful nature and your former way of life, which is corrupted by lust and deception. Instead, let the Spirit renew your thoughts and attitudes Put on your new nature created to be like God, truly righteous and holy. I'm going to read it from the Jerusalem Bible. And it says, you must give up your old way of life. You must put aside your old self, which gets corrupted by following illusory desires. Your mind must be renewed by a spiritual revolution so that you can put on the new self that has been created in God's way, in the goodness and holiness of the truth. So we said last week that if we want to be successful in our pursuit of holiness, we should have the conviction that, number one, holiness is for all. It's not just for priests or religious or preachers. Holiness is for all. God calls us all to be holy. Second is we need Christ's grace. We cannot achieve holiness without the gift and the empowerment of Jesus. So we cannot do it without His grace, but we also have to cooperate with His grace for that to happen. And number three, our holiness should yield fruitful abundance, which means dapat hindi lang para sa sarili natin, hindi lang para tayo-tayo lang, di ba? So it has to bless the world, just like in our prayer at the feast, our novena to God's love. Just as we are blessed, we want to bless the world. 
And that's what we want for our holiness to do. And when we talk about holiness, we don't mean walking with our heads bowed down all the time, being serious, quoting scripture, diba? When we talk about holiness, it's not about just doing holy things or churchy things. We talk about holiness in the way our catechism teaches us, which is, sabi ng catechism, holiness is the perfection of charity. So holiness has a lot to do about love. Really, it's the beginning and the end of all things. So now we do part two. I'll teach you a song that I learned when I was still much younger. A friend of mine taught this to me so that you'll be able to memorize the books, the epistles easier. So the song goes, Rococo, Galifico, Tes, Tes, Tim, Tim, Tifi. <laughs> okay. Rococo, Galifico, Tes, Tes, Tim, Tim, Tifi. So it's Romans, Rococo, First and Second Corinthians, Ga is Galatians, Gali, Ephesians, Galifico is Colossians, Tes, Tes, First and Second Thessalonians, Tes, Tes, Tim, Tim, First and Second Timothy, T. Titus, and si Philemon. So hanggang dun lang, hindi na umabot sa Hebrews. But, you know, it's helpful. So when you're looking for a book in the New Testament, just sing that song. Let's go to Colossians 3 verse 5. So put to death the sinful, earthly things lurking within you. Have nothing to do with sexual immorality, impurity, lust, and evil desires. Don't be greedy. For a greedy person is an idolater, worshiping the things of this world. So because of these sins, the anger of God is coming. I'll read it in another version. It says, put to death then the parts of you that are earthly, immorality, impurity, passion, evil desires, and the greed that is idolatry. If you look at this list, every one of these sins is actually a sin against love. When you're immoral, when you're lustful, when you engage in sexual immorality and impurity and lust, all these are sins against not just our person, but also the other person. When uh, we're taken over by passion or anger, so again, it's a sin against love. And greed is loving ourselves more or loving things more than other people or God. So really, when you talk about holiness, it's really the perfection of love, as the Catechism says. King James Version, sabi na, put to death then the parts of you that are earthly. In the King James Version, it uses the word mortify. When you put to death or you mortify the parts of ourselves that are earthly, the meaning is like you destroy the strength. You destroy the vitality, the function. You subdue it or you deaden it. This means destroying the strength and the vitality of sin as it tries to reign in our body. And we understand this all the more now that we're in a pandemic and we understand about viruses. Just because you're healthy doesn't mean that you don't have any disease causing bacteria or virus in you. In fact, pwede kang asymptomatic pala. You're a carrier that you're infected, but you just don't know, diba? It's possible that you could be a carrier of a virus, but your body is able to subdue it. Why? Because our immune system is stronger. Now, think of sin as a disease. Think of sin as coronavirus. 
you know, the HIV is no longer the deadliest virus in the world today. It's N-COVID, right? But really, more than N-COVID, it's SIN. I always say this, it's SIN. SIN is the worst virus you can ever contract. So when we talk about holiness, it doesn't mean that we won't encounter temptations, but that we're able to subdue these temptations, put them to death. Mortify them, remove their strength, remove their vitality, just as our hands full of coronavirus. But when we wash it with soap or spray it with alcohol, then we subdue it. We mortify the strength of that virus. So how do we destroy the strength of sin? We need two things. We need conviction and we need commitment. So first, I want to talk about conviction. We need to be convinced that Without holiness, we will not see the Lord. This is where the renewal of our mind needs to take place. I remember my very first Life in the Spirit seminar that I attended when I was 14 years old. During the one-on-one, my facilitator told me that cheating in exams, I was a student then, was a sin. But for me, it was like, what's wrong with cheating? Gumagaling pa lang ako nun eh, sa cheating. Nag-uumpisa pa lang ako. Imagine, 14 years old, second year high school, I was just getting the grooves of copying from my classmates' paper or, you know, having kodigo here and there. So I wasn't convinced that it was a sin or that it was wrong. Maybe, yeah, it's a sin. It's a sin that we confess. But is it wrong or will I stop it? Will I change my ways? Until my facilitator said something that was very simple, but it changed my perception, the way I looked at sin. And I was telling her, you know, I can't stop cheating because if I don't make my classmates copy, they're going to say I'm selfish, that I'm not sharing the answers. They're not going to like me. And my facilitator, she's a friend of mine, Kiting Helano, um, Christina Helano, and she told me, I still remember this, who do you want to please? Do you want to please your classmates or do you want to please the Lord? It was such a simple question, but it really stopped me in my 14-year-old track. And because of that, I changed. I stopped cheating. That was a big thing for a 14-year-old, for a teenager who wanted so much to fit in and to be liked by classmates, right? So we need to renew our minds with God's Word. Let's go to Joshua 1, verse 7. Be strong and very courageous. This was God speaking to Joshua. Be careful to obey all the instructions that Moses gave you. Do not deviate from them, turning either to the right or to the left. Then you will be successful in everything you do. Study the book of instruction. Uh, the versions of the Bible say the book of the law. Continually meditate on it day and night so that you will be sure to obey everything written on it. Only then will you prosper and succeed in all you do. God is telling us here, God is giving us here the secret of success. And he's saying, meditate on my law day and night, observe it, obey. That's why we encourage people to read the Bible every day. If possible, you know, don't let a day go without having your dosage of God's word in the same way that we don't let a day pass without eating. Or if you're on medication, you're on antibiotics, you need to take it continually until you finish that series. But read Reading God's Word is not enough to develop conviction. It's not enough because 
head knowledge doesn't always translate to action, diba? If that were true, then every smoker would have stopped smoking because they know it's bad for their health. Or every person who wanted to lose weight for health reasons to be healthier would have been able to lose weight. So that's why we need obedience. And I say that in capital letters, obedience. We need obedience. Let's go to Ephesians 4 verse 25. Stop telling lies. Let us tell our neighbors the truth, for we are all parts of the same body. And don't sin by letting anger control you. That's what verse 26 says. Don't let the sun go down while you are angry, for anger gives a foothold to the devil. So if we read this word, okay, great, wow, I read it. Pero how do we apply? We need obedience to this word. So which means that if you're angry at someone, wives and husbands, if you're angry at each other and you read God's word here and says, don't let the sun go down on your anger, then before you sleep, reconcile, make up. My husband and I, you know, early on in our marriage, we said that we would not allow ourselves to go to sleep while we were angry. We've been married for more than a decade. Minsan, magkakagalit kami. So at the earlier years, madali, madali mag-reconcile, di ba? Bago matulog, we'll talk about it. Kahit mag-away kami before we sleep, but then we'll end up reconciling and sleeping. Aba, later on, ba nakakatulog na siya na hindi nagre-reconcile, di ba? So ako ang hindi makatulog. Kasi galit na galit pa ako. So anong ginagawa ko? Di ba? So I'm gonna stomp on the bed and I'm gonna turn and I'm gonna pull the blanket and then I'm gonna pray, Lord, wag ko siyang patulugin. Lord, sige na. Give him bad dreams, Lord. Ayan, oh, tinutulugan ako. <laughs> I mean, hindi ko na mapigil hanggang gigising ko na siya and say, I'm still angry. You know, can we finish this before we go to sleep and we will reconcile, we will talk it over until we're able to sleep in peace. But see, that that's what I mean by we need obedience because we may know the word but we need action. Amen? Another example of knowing scripture but needing to obey it, let's move to verse 29. It's in the same passage, Ephesians 4, 29. And it says, Don't use foul or abusive language. Let everything you say be good and helpful so that your words will be an encouragement to those who hear them. So this is a scripture passage that tells us about how we use our words and specifically about cursing, it says here, don't use foul or abusive language. But sometimes we can't help it. Sometimes we call people stupid. But God tells us to purify our speech. And I remember when I was a young teenager, grabe ako magmura, as in, talagang, diba, sabi na, bulaklak daw ng dila. But thank God, by the power of His Spirit, God has transformed my language. Uh, number one, um, we need conviction. And it's easier to obey when God's Word tells us straight what the sin is. Kagaya nito, foul and abusive language. But how about in areas of our lives that are not specifically mentioned in the Bible? So let me share with you four questions that you can ask yourself how to know right from wrong. So the first question you ask yourself is, number one, is it helpful? physically, spiritually, mentally. And for that, I want to read 1 Corinthians 6, verse 12. You say, I am allowed to do anything, but not everything is good for you. And even though I am allowed to do anything, I must not become a slave to anything. Let me give an example. Again, everything is permissible, but not all is beneficial. So we ask ourselves, 
Example, nothing's wrong with watching Netflix. I watch Netflix. Preachers watch Netflix. Priests watch Netflix. But if you neglect your responsibilities because you're, you know, watching too much TV, watching too much Netflix, or you get puyat. I heard a story of this woman who was so into K-dramas that she would stay up late all the way to the wee hours of the morning watching her favorite K-drama. And then the next morning, she'd have to drive herself to work. And one time she got bumped, as in her car was wrecked because she fell asleep while she was on the wheel driving. So everything is permissible, nothing wrong with Netflix, nothing wrong with K-dramas, but because it was already not helping her physically and mentally, even in her work. So it was no longer helpful for her. So that's um, one way to know if it's God's will for you. Second question that you ask yourself is, does it bring me under its power? Again, 2 Corinthians 6 verse 12 says, I am allowed to do anything, but I must not become a slave to anything. Yes, as long as we are not mastered by anything. So we need to ask, does it bring me under its power? Does it bring me under its power? There are people who are enslaved with computer games. In fact, in the psychology manual, gaming addiction is already an official listing under addiction. It's like being addicted to drugs, being addicted to liquor, being addicted to smoking, and being addicted to computer gaming. So there's nothing wrong with gaming. But if it enslaves you, I read a story of a couple, Asians, I think they were Chinese, I'm not sure, but they were so addicted to their video games that they left their baby starved to death because both of them were just sitting in their computers and playing their computer games for days on end. So it clearly brought them under its power. Or maybe smoking, you know, maybe you say, oh, yeah, I can quit anytime. Really? Can you really quit anytime? Because smoking is an addiction. And most people who say, oh, I can quit anytime, actually, they say that as an excuse because the truth is they really can't quit. I heard that from my dad who smoked for 40 years. He kept on saying he could quit anytime, but the truth was he couldn't. And then the third question to ask, if it's God's will, is does it hurt others? Does it hurt others? Go to 1 Corinthians 8, verse 9 to 13. It says, you must be careful so that your freedom does not cause others with a weaker conscience to stumble. For if others see you with their superior knowledge, eating in the temple of an idol, won't they be encouraged to violate their conscience by eating food that has been offered to an idol? So because of your superior knowledge, a weak believer for whom Christ died will be destroyed. And when you sin against other believers by encouraging them to do something they believe is wrong, you are sinning against Christ. So if what I eat causes another believer to sin, I will never eat meat again as long as I live, for I don't want to cause another believer to stumble. What's this story about? It's talking about the Jews because the Jews, they believe that certain kinds of animals or meat was unclean. If an animal or something was offered to an idol in a temple, then that's already unclean. You shouldn't eat it. But then when some Jews were converted because of Christianity, they realized that, wow, you know, meat offered to idols is nothing because there's only one true God and that's Jesus. So they're with clear consciences could eat that meat and not be sinning. But if you're a believer that, wow, 
Pinakain niya, ina-offer yan sa idol. Naku, nakakasala siya. Then you cause somebody to stumble. So, how can we apply this in a more personal way? Example, you're with a friend whom you know is struggling against drunkenness. This person is addicted to alcohol. For you, it's not a sin to drink a glass of wine. It's nothing to you, you know. Hindi ka naman nalalaseng, hindi ka na-addict. You don't get drunk and you won't get hooked on wine. But if you're with that friend and that friend will see you drinking a glass of wine and be tempted to drink also, then you'd abstain. You avoid drinking it so that you won't cause your friend to sin. Again, how to know if it's God's will? Number one, is it helpful physically, spiritually, mentally? Number two, does it bring me under its power? Number three, does it hurt others? And number four, does it glorify God? And in 1 Corinthians 8 verse 9, so if what I eat causes another believer to sin, I will never eat meat again for as long as I live. Uh, and then we jump to 1 Corinthians 10 verse 31. So whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. So sometimes we do things to glorify ourselves. Example, you want to go into politics so that you'll have the power for yourself, so you can have access to kaban ng bayan, diba? Then that's not something that will glorify God. But if you enter politics so you can have a greater influence for God's kingdom, then that's a totally different thing. So those are the some questions you can ask yourself to see if something is according to God's will. And then we need two things to be holy, to destroy the strength of sin, and to be holy. I said the first one was conviction, and the second one was commitment. Commitment is a dedication to a long-term course of action. You know, when you're committed to something, you see it to the end. It's the kabaliktaran of ningas kugon. So when we talk about holiness, holiness is a process. It's a lifelong pursuit. As you conform to God in one area of your life, the Lord begins to show you other areas and that's why we pursue holiness. We don't attain it. Continuously, hinahabol natin siya. That's why St. Paul says, run so as to win. So that's in 1 Corinthians 9, 24. You can't win if you don't get to the finish line, right? No matter how nice your form is in a marathon, no matter how fast you ran for the first half of the marathon or up to the last mile of the marathon, you can't win until you cross the line. So St. Paul says, run so as to win. We need to get to the finish line. And at the end of St. Paul's life, he was able to say, 2 Timothy 4, verse 6, As for me, my life has already been poured out as an offering to God. The time of my death is near. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race, and I have remained faithful. Other versions say, I have fought the good fight, I have finished the race, I have kept the faith. This is St. Paul nearing the end of his life. And again, we need to reach the finish line. And our finish line, as we know, isn't here in this life. It's reaching heaven, being with God for the rest of eternity. So putting our old self aside is not easy. It's not an overnight process. That's why we need to be committed. But really, the rewards are out of this world, literally out of this world. So I want to end our part two here. And let me pray for you guys. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thank you, Jesus, for this Monday Hunger Club. We pray, Lord God, that you continue to deepen our hunger for you. 
as we break the bread of your word together. I pray, Lord God, for all my brothers and sisters, and I pray for their needs this week. I pray for all of the things that worry them, all their anxieties. I pray, Lord God, that you may just right now envelop them in your love, envelop them in your tight embrace, Lord, and assure them of your presence and your providence. We trust in you, Lord God. We trust in your goodness. And we thank you, Jesus, that you're always with us. Bless us, Lord. Allow us to experience your presence throughout this week, every moment of the day. And we continue to draw upon your grace as we pursue this holiness, as we grow in the perfection of charity and love. All for your greater glory and in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Again, thank you so much. If this teaching has blessed you, we invite you to join us every Monday at 8 p.m. Philippine time on my Facebook page or live on YouTube at Feast Makati District. You can also keep the cycle of generosity going by supporting the Feast Makati District. Simply go to www.myfeastoffering1.com.